What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. Woo! Ah, World Cup is almost among us. The layout just came out. Interesting. Uh, LJ and I have a pretty interesting conversation about kind of layouts and, and how they affect the play and and kind of go into detail about it it's pretty fun but uh it's just funny how i just i thought of that as the layout we were talking about it and the layout just came out and i, f- I forgot when what days the layout comes out and everything and it's another layout another layout anyway uh this episode is brought to you by off the leash training y'all know who patty gleason is if you don't he plays for that team might have heard of him uh the thunder the thunder i think that would be a cool name the thunder anyway seattle thunder uh great group of guys uh but patty in particular i had him on the podcast uh great dude awesome character uh great personality man he's he's a he's a really good human being and he now has this training program because everybody's looking to get in shape and and to play paintball at their top peak ability, and that is what he's trying to do. Uh, he's trying to bring out the best in everybody with uh, pretty much paintball-specific training. Uh, he wants to focus on paintball athletes, but he can pretty much train all types of people. Uh, you can message him on Instagram or Facebook to start training. He Everything is through an app that tells you exactly what you need to do, Everything has videos too. If you're not sure at what the workout is, it has a video to let you know uh, what to do, how to do it, and everything's in sections and it's and it's all organized. It's great. It tells you everything that you need to do. You just need you just need to do it. And uh, I think it's a great program. Very very cool. Easy to follow. Simple to the point. And and Patty does a uh, Patty does a great job of of motivation and I mean just watch his Instagram man he he goes to work every day and just hustles and hustles and hustles and grinds and grinds and grinds and he does a great job at it but anyway off the leash training uh, coaching through the app if you use the code TPOP19 capital TPOP19 you'll get 20% off any membership so make sure you guys check it out if you're looking to get in shape I I Really, really highly suggest this program, Off the Leash Training, Patty Gleason. Give him a shout. Tell him what you think. And uh, give it a go. I know you want to. Uh, we are also brought to you by Melavio. You have got you guys heard me talk about uh, Melavio before. I have been using their products for a good few months now. I have been enjoying them um, all the way from topical salves to to uh, drops, to everything CBD I've been kind of experimenting with and, and seeing what works, and um, it's it's all natural. It's great stuff, man, and and everything coming from Melavio is locally sourced. You know where it's coming from, and they have this honey. I, I love honey to begin with, but what they have is they have a, a program running to where if you buy the honey, all the proceeds go back to a veteran's program. So that's what I really enjoy supporting uh, supporting the veterans, supporting Melavio. It's a great company, and uh, and the products are amazing. If you haven't tried CBD, uh, 
and you're kind of curious about it and you don't want to buy it from your corner store, I really, really suggest the uh, Melavio. They have very competitive pri pricing because CBD can go out the roof as far as pricing goes. But uh, but everybody over at Melavio, uh, they do a great job as far as being competitive on pricing and everything. So make sure you check them out. And if you want to be even cheaper, you can use the promo code capital T-P-O-P -P, and you'll get 15% off, 15% off your order. So that's a good chunk. So make sure you check them out. That's just another incentive on, on and another reason why you should try CBD. And if you already know about it, keep using it. It's great stuff, man. Uh, thank you, Melavio. And we are also brought to you by Charm City Paintball. Mike has more and more headbands that keep blowing me away, man. He, his creativity, he actually is a jewelry designer by trade. But this headband thing is kind of on the side. And uh, it, it's cool because you can kind of see him integrating styles. And he tries to push the limit with with fabric. And that's my biggest thing with Charm City. He pushes he pushes the whole uh, style kind of fencing. He pushes that with fabric. Everybody can sublimate. You can put whatever you want on a headband, but it's not it's not the same, man. I'm I'm a big fabric fan, and and he uses all kinds of of designer like fabrics. He uses all kinds of uh, different kinds of camos, and even stitching patterns are you know I try to look at all that little detail stuff, and I. But, uh, but that's just me. But I promise you'll enjoy stuff too. Make sure you check them out. Charm City Paintball on Instagram or Facebook. And uh, and make sure you hit them up. Let them know that Carl from the Playing On Podcast sent you over there. And uh, lastly, guys, uh, please, if you haven't checked it out yet, head, head over to my Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash the Playing On Podcast. And if you want to help support the podcast, um, uh, donate, subscribe, become a member, and, and help keep this thing going. It's greatly appreciated. Into the podcast. This is with my very good friend. Uh, ever since, uh, ever since I met him and was was playing with him, we got along from from the get. And uh, very same sense of humor. Just a great guy to get along with. Not only is he a good person, he is an awesome athlete, and he doesn't take shit from anybody. Um, and He's he's a hard nosed hard nosed dude, man. He will uh, he will go to war, and 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 you'll know it. So he's a great guy, great paintball player, plays for the Iron Men. Here's my good buddy, L.J. Parrish. See, I always thought with the layouts, it's like. Everybody's like, oh, it's a shitty layout, or oh, it's a, it's a this layout. Oh, I like this layout. It's like, but I mean, essentially, it's just all angles that you've seen one way or another, right? And it's kind of like, yeah, <laughs> and everybody, and I always, I always thought about that with practices and everything. Like, obviously, like paintball is more than just those few angles on the field. Like, obviously, you have a whole field that you're playing against and you have to strategize with your team to help occupy the other team's side but that being said i feel that even without seeing the layout you should you like you should have a good idea after a few points of kind of how it's going to play out yeah there are like like big aggressive moves or 
depending on if you can play the field. If you can play the field slow and fast, yeah, the flow changes. Like at the event, everything slows down. But I think that's Sunday. see that's what I'm saying. Like I feel like it could be a fast field, or vice versa, and then come Sunday, it's like it could 180. Yeah. Well, I do know that if you play a field like the last event where there's a large center and then there's two, you know, moderately aggressive tape sides, mm-hmm. it's kind of like playing the wall. It's basically the same thing where you have to check that center guy off before you can make a move. There's really no cross field shots early on in the game that you're having to worry about. So yeah. it's, it's typically just heads up, you know, off the break, unless you're shooting a deep cross shot, you know, I'm not that guy. So typically I'm not that guy. <laughs> so how, how important is it? Uh, would you say are people getting shot off the break? I mean, it's your first opportunity to get a kill. So, and the breakout is the biggest risk in the entire game. I mean, it's the biggest gamble. You, you know, you have bodies that could either, you could either shoot guys or you could lose guys. So, I mean, it's key, you know, it's a big part of the game. I think, I think the guy shooting off the break is, uh, I think they have the, the, the biggest job on the field at that point, And I think have everything, the, everything's in their court at that point. Everybody who's shooting off the break. That's why I think the Russians, uh, in the beginning took advantage of it. And you saw five guys running and shooting everywhere is because if you could shoot, yeah. if you could shoot consistently two guys off the break, the odds oh, are in fuck. your favor. Yeah, for sure. And I've always, I've always Obviously. preached that those, yeah, exactly. exactly. But I mean, you I think mean, about everyone it. Everyone can shoot. Well, five guys can shoot off the break and no one dies and you shoot two guys. You're probably going to win 95% of those points. You're going to win unless you get some penalty and mm-hmm. barring some crazy penalty for sure. What do so, you, what do you prefer? Do you prefer just going head down and, and grunting it in well, or do you prefer in shooting? So if there's a if there's a place on the field that I can get quickly and get a couple of kills, I really like to do that. But I mean, everyone wants to go in with their head up. Everyone wants to see what's in front of them before they dive blindly into the bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know, but I know you probably like to dive blindly into the bullshit, right? Here, I think it's I think it's all situational. I think it's I think it's mindset. I think it's situational. I think there's instances where I could, I could care less about looking down the field, and I just need to just truck it as fast and as hard as I can, and just focus about making my spot and the first thing I'm going to do. Right? Like there, yeah. there's times where I've, that's all I've done, and that was my focus. And there's other times mm-hmm. where I'm like, okay, Bruno tells me go snake off the break, and I'm like, I'm going to shoot this motherfucker. If I if I run and shoot to the snake, yeah. I can shoot that guy going to that fucking spot. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. it's like I think it's just give or take. Um sometimes you need yeah, to get there and sometimes you're just you know you're going to make it in the back of your head you subconsciously you know you're going to make it, so you're kind of making these other plans on top of that. Yeah, I mean, that's like getting to the spot like uh, I think recently we've had snake layouts where you can dive into the snake and crawl really quickly to the 50, but there's really no crossfield shot. You know, you're kind of in like a, you know, a heads up chess match with, you know, is he going to match me or mm. am I going to beat some guy there? And 
pop around the 50 and shoot a dude by surprise. Who knows? Yeah. But I really do shooting people off the break. I don't really get the opportunity often, but it's fun, I like though. to hose off the break. Yeah. yeah, it's fun as shit. You just see you're sitting off the break. You shoot at a dude, and you're like, ah, you're slow as fuck. Shoot this dude. You see everything, so you make a really good decision mm-hmm. with your next move. Yeah. As opposed to diving into a situation that, you know, listen to the guy behind you to fully understand, you know, what just happened. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, it's fun. That's probably the most mm-hmm. amount of paint I shoot ever if I, if I have to shoot off the break. Um, but then it's, yeah, it's kind of like you're kind of freewheeling. Like when, when you do that, there's so much freedom to be able to stand in the back and just shoot like a fuck ton of paint yeah. off the break. Yeah. And then, then they get we get yelled at because we get shot off the break. I'm like, what the fuck do you expect? like? It happens. I feel like I th- uh, I feel like the back players have a better chance of getting the hell out of the way of a paintball if it's coming at them than I do. Yeah, I mean, so that's kind of a risk at times where you have a guy like Trevor or Damian in the back shooting you know, off the box, kind of floating around, smoking weed, you know, <laughs> that guy could potentially, that guy could potentially get shot yeah. from another back center player, yeah. you know, shooting back at the, you know, shoot the shooters, Bruno would say. Or, yeah, um, dude, it that, was, it was true, man. Shoot the shooters. Because if you shoot the shooters, yeah. you're not going to have anybody shooting at you. <laughs> like, right, right. It's so and, simple, and like Bruno math. Yeah. It, he makes it sound very simple. Um, but those guys on my team, uh, Trevor and Damien, they're good at doing that. Uh Um, so that's a risk. We may lose them from time to time doing that, but that's the risk you take when you decide, you know, to have floaters back there. But as a, as a number one player running off the break, I can also, you know, decide, you you know, where after running it multiple times, you know, where the paint is going to be in the lane, you know, you know, Uh like from which bunker they have the best shot where that's going to land and you know where their opportunity to shoot you is so you know you can pick your path and you can also read the paint when you're running Mm -hmm. and potentially bail to a different spot stop short um or make a judgment call how you want to go into that that spot you know yeah i just run into the paint carl so you're too fast that's what that's what the deal is you can't (laughs) you can't make any what decisions you're moving everybody's so accurate with their first like four balls that those are the ones that i tend to find <laughs> that's true <laughs> so uh first four yeah yeah the first four because isn't it the first five are in semi i have no idea <laughs> i just pull a trigger and shit comes out the other end straight i'm good to go yeah. That's all I care about. What is what is more important to you? Playing conditions or shooting straight? Shooting straight. Fuck the bullshit. I don't care what I have to dive through, crawl through. It's all fun. So, okay, so let's say the the entry into the snake is Rocky. No, 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 not even Rocky. Say, cause, uh, cause let's say a real scenario, right? So real scenario, uh, let's say you start getting the divots from hell, uh, from let's say, you know, fucking Sunday morning and, and really all of Sunday. Like you, you have the most amount of time 
that could possibly happen of a, of someone going to that spot has already happened to that point, right? So it's there's so many divots and there's so much dirt that has been slid away. So now it's just these these divots in this ground. Do you do you consciously think about that and how, how you're going to approach that bunker um, because of those those it's potentially an injury and could maybe stop you from performing uh, the rest of the match or the rest of the, to the thing. I mean, cause sometimes I think about stuff like that. I kind of look at it like, man, if I, if I make that, if I make that, there's a real good chance I could, I could catch my cleat. I always hated that. Like if I, I slid in somewhere like a hip slide or something and I caught my cleat or my knee where it would like, you would hit it and kind of pop up and just like, it was like uh, straight knee yeah. to hip right out of it. So, <laughs> do, do you ever think about that yeah. running your spots? I do. I do think about that, and World Cup especially. Yes. With all of the like potholes of sand, I did mm-hmm. last World Cup on Sunday. I did like a scorpion sliding into the snake insert, or like my heels touched the back of my head. So you you have to definitely. I mean, I care about my body, obviously. So I'm gonna look at the bunker and kind of you know make a decision on how you have to go into it it's as safely and as effectively. I mean, I don't want to get shot off the break. I'm willing to give a little bit on the old body if I can make it off the break. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not going to, I'm not going to get shot out diving like a pussy into a bunker for sure. Well, I'm not saying you got to dive like a pussy. I just said you got to yeah. maybe go a little bit early or a little, yeah. oh, a little I try back. To early. I, try to go, I mean, I try to move fast enough and low enough, you know, slide a little bit early, slide into it. I mean, I think World Cup last year into going into the snake insert, that was the worst, like, pothole, sand pothole placement ever. Yeah. I mean, it was right in the spot where you slid, and then it, it was almost like a sandy landing strip after that all the way to the bunker. So if you hit that spot, you pretty much had to you're going to stop. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. Oh, so. <laughs> I had to stop one time. I had to put my gun down and pull my knee pads back up and like <laughs> yeah. knock my headband loose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And your, your fucking, your goggles like are up in the, Oh, my goggles <laughs> are up for sure. And I couldn't see shit. I knew whoever yeah. was, whoever I was playing was probably at the 50 already by the time I got readjusted. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely, a shitty spot. See, a- another thing that front or back guys will never understand if they never played front is the adjusting that you have to do, even even like yep. during the match, not just off the break. Like even during the match, like <laughs> you're sliding in a spot and it's it's fucking with your head. At least this is how I'm thinking about it. Like 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 if I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I gotta change this, dude. I gotta move this knee pad around. It's it's bugging me. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> you gotta forget. Yeah. You can't let that shit bother you because. I always play, literally, I'll start every match with my shoes tied and my knee pads around my knees. And for some reason, my knee pads go down around my ankles and my shoes are always untied without <laughs> fail. So, Dude, I the paintball have, goblins, man. I have, I have no idea why it happens. Yeah. I tighten them bitches on both of them as much as I possibly can and they slide right the fuck off. No. When was the last no time idea. you tanked yourself? tanked myself yeah um i don't think i've really i don't think i've done that in a long time i mean maybe maybe when i was a kid you know in my teens mm-hmm. 
but I don't I you know what I've done more than than anything is bend my finger like my middle finger all the way back to my wrist I've done that on both hands probably two times a piece yeah I've done that for sure yeah but I've never tanked I've core sampled but it never comes back and gets me yeah so I've had maybe never done. I think I've at least one that I know of where I, I got it hard. I felt like I was punched in the face and it kind of did one yeah. of those, like hit me right yeah. there, right in the smack mat in the middle of the chin. And I just, I was kind of out of it. And then what I've done a lot too was bend my thumb back. Like yeah. Have my bit, my thumb pretty much touch my arm. Oh, fuck. Oh my God, dude. And yeah. I, I pretty much dive with my gun out to the side. You know, I usually, mm-hmm place my hand out in front of me you know and i've been trying to do it with a fist because i have fucked my fingers up but i don't put my gun i don't usually slide with my gun out in front of my body unless i'm crawling down the snake yeah the only time that that's fucked with me like because I, I do the same thing if i'm hip sliding or i'm going to a corner and i and i drop down from shooting or whatever like from running and shooting um is if i am going snake because i've had and depending on the snake layout too, but I've had where I would dive into the snake on my hip kind of, and have my marker up here with me and my, and I get shot up here in the loader or something like that. I'm just like, like, I can't do that. That's a dummy. Can't do that. (laughs) Dummy. (laughs) What do you think cup layout is going to be like? Do you care? Uh, Are you paying attention anymore? it's uh, it'll be a full year this this event. Yes, it will. And I You're think You're retired a full year. Dude, no, you know last year I only played four events. I didn't even yeah, get to play yeah, um fucking uh Vegas on the East Coast. Atlantic City. So, I didn't mm-hmm. even get to play Atlantic City because I think I had a knee injury. I had a meniscus tear. And so I only played four events. So you're saying you're due one more event before so. you retire. I think so. Oh, are you playing with Infamous? Uh, no, I can't. Play with Infam? No. Dude, what's gonna happen to um, uh, Aftermath? Um, I don't know. We're gonna practice them. I know that. Yeah. So where at? Then we can't pee. Can't punnel them this weekend. I don't know what's going to happen with them. I'm pretty sure they're going to go to World Cup and play paintball for a few days. And then after that, your guess is as good as mine. Hmm. Maybe they win a match. Maybe they don't. Um, you know, I think some of their players quit the team or yeah. were cut. I've, I don't know. I have I've, no idea. I've heard there was like four players that that are leaving or have left already. Yeah, did they make you an offer? Are you going to play with them at World Cup? No. I, <laughs> I, I, I would help people out. I really would if I could. But I just yeah. don't. I'm just. Dude, I have no qualms with your decision. Your father, you have obligations. I completely get it. I'm just giving you shit because I absolutely know that you want to play the game. And I would too. Ugh. So it's, it sucks, you man. I've been doing. I've been doing this thing, though, where I'm like. And I think it, for me, it's the only way to kind of get the relief out of it is do the podcast 
but then don't really do anything else. Try and maybe do a clinic here or there, maybe play here or there. But really, other than that, I'm like I'm keeping up a little bit. Um, but I just it just it it, it makes yeah, it worse you... if I watch it as much as I would like to. Okay, what are your clinics like? What is what is a Carl clinic? I want to know. Yeah, really. How how long are the Carl clinics? Are they a day, two days, three hours? So I just hour. do it. Usually these are how my clinics go. Usually I like to do them. Um, I like to make them affordable. Right. So I like to, I mean, I don't think they need to go above a hundred dollars per person. I feel. I, was, I thought you were going to say something outlandish. <laughs> like, no more than $500. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I mean, I, you know, people are there to learn, right? I don't want people there to come and, and spend, you know, a fuck ton more money than than what they would any other weekend to play, right? Like, obviously, they're gaining information, but I don't. I want it to be more than that. I want it to be a, an experience rather than mm-hmm. just me lecture all the time, right? So, yeah. but at the same time, I want to teach. So my So my clinics essentially are, you know, I like to go through the basics of where, you know, stance, posture um the uh stretching before you actually play like doing a decent stretching routine um getting people on on pretty much what the basics of laning running and shooting kind of you're i always like to start in the beginning because there's a lot of players out there who are set in their ways right and Mm -hmm. i'm not trying to break them from their old habits because I can't do that because they have to. So what I like to do is just show them a different way of going about it. So maybe and try and teach it in a way that is understandable and not too complicated because mm-hmm. you, if you keep it simple, then a lot more people are going to be able to grasp what you're trying to accomplish. Right? So it's dude, it's, it's a super simple thing. I'm, I don't go with any super crazy like drills or anything like that. I have a snap shooting drill uh, that I do where you have one guy snap shooting, like, cause you can have two guys like snap shoot all the time, just all day. Right. Boom, 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 boom. And just get in kind of this like repetition that yeah. or like one-on-ones are pretty good. So what I do is yeah. I, I like to work on, on accuracy with players. And what I'll do is I have one player snap shooting, um, behind a bunker to another one that has like a pie plate or a little bit smaller on it. Right. And have that right in the in the middle of the bunker, just kind of halfway, maybe all the way out. So still, you're shooting at a target that's like you know like this. Um, and then you have somebody stand behind that, and just one ball every time they come out. So you have Blame that up. person. His his job in the whole drill or her job is to pretty much just keep that player honest on what he's doing wrong, whether it be an elbow, a knee, a foot. Um, repetitions in the same spot, you know, whatever. So you're trying to hit that person, but you're just trying to do it with one ball while the other person is trying to hit the pan three times. And then once they hit uh, the pan three times, uh, it rotates. Mm. So I do that. I just do, I do some other drills and then I usually go in the morning for like two hours and then the afternoon for two hours. And, um, like I do an hour lunch to everybody to sit down, maybe talk about what we've learned already to kind of keep it fresh. Because I feel like if you, if you do a clinic and you're just going over so much stuff that it's hard to retain, but if you go over smaller things that actually 
that that are at the core really essentially what a paintball player needs and you kind of throw that at them and you keep reminding them of that during the clinic it they're more likely yeah. to hang on to that information i feel so yeah. i mean that's in a nutshell that's kind of like kind of what my clinics are it's cool five hours not too long not too bad Mm-mm. nice just enough time to how to... many of you done? you know i've probably only have done maybe 10 clinics yeah in my entire career people fly you out they, you know have to pay for your travel have you ever stayed at anyone's house and not gotten a hotel stayed at some team owner's house mm-hmm. Maybe you do it all the time. I think it's yeah. I think it's about the experience, right? Because the more personal you can get with people, the more they're going to yeah. open up, and the more they're going to want to learn. And mm-hmm. and and I just I enjoy like meeting new people and meeting and seeing people's situations and, and kind of seeing their life essentially, because it's a whole another experience that I've never had before. And I'm all right. about like having. Dude, enjoying all kinds of different cultures and, and enjoying all kinds of different food and really kind of taking in what you don't know is out there until you do it. So, I, that's a good that's a good frame of mind. That's yeah. cool, Carl. You're a cool dude. Super cool. Don't don't fucking <laughs> don't do that. Don't patronize <laughs> you. <laughs> uh, dude, we had some good times though. Yeah, for sure, dude. Aftershock was dope. I mean. Yeah, we didn't have the best record, but we were all super close. We we're, you know, all coming up at the same time, mm-hmm. and we're all friends. That was, that was fun. Yeah, I mean, it was really fun to play. It wasn't fun losing, um, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I wish we could have won more for, you know, for the name, for the legacy, you know, and for Bruno. Yeah. But this is what it is, I guess. Yeah. Isn't it, isn't it crazy, like, the different personalities and job roles that people have from team to team? Yeah. I mean, it takes a certain type of person to be – I mean, every, like, niche sport has their own, you know, environment, has their own culture. Mm-hmm. Paintball is a unique culture. There's a lot of unique people that play. It takes a certain mindset, you know, a certain type of, of person to uh, want to compete it's weird because we're all friends off the field, mm-hmm. but everyone's everyone's always in competition with each other. You know, it's a very, it's highly competitive, highly egotistical sport. Yeah, it's like checkers. It's like checkers. It's like chess, checkers, chess, chess. It's like chess. Yeah, chess, there's only the pieces can move in certain spots. But on the right. paintball well, field, you can go wherever you want to go. Like checkers. Right. Yeah, that's how most most coaches think. What checkers or chess? <laughs> chess. You go to the snake. You're little. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes, like dude. Sometimes it's a game of checkers and not chess, and you you can't over you can't overthink it. Right. Well, like you were saying earlier, with the large like back players, people that are tall. Yeah, they're gonna still be in the back, but a lot of a lot of people can play all over the field. Mm-hmm. I can I see a lot of like Cody Mikowski, he ends up in the snake all the time. Plays yeah. really well. Trevor, he plays he could play the snake really well. 
mean, he's not an extra tall dude, but you know, he's a he's a back player. You know, you have players like Nick Laval that played in the center fifty. Yeah, it was a tall bunker, but mm-hmm. you know, people move all over the field. I think it's I think it's a faster game now, and I think that stigma of you know, obviously, I'm not going to be in a spot where I can't see to shoot someone off the break. Mm-hmm. But, you know, players are more, I think coaches are able to play, you know, players more versatile across the field, you know, not depending on their body size. Yeah. Nowadays. It's good in comparison to like seven <clears throat> man or 10 man. Yeah. Yeah. Where one guy was designated. Yeah, yeah. One thing. Well, I think, you know, being okay. such a, a multiversed player is so so uh just an automatic need on every on every team it comes back just playing paintball you're playing i mean it's the game of paintball if you don't understand the entire field you you know as a professional you don't belong in the field i mean you have to understand every position what every position can do what the potential of you know each position has so that you can play the entire field mm-hmm. properly. You know, otherwise you're probably not going to do very well. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys, if, if, if there's, if the majority of your team can play wherever, I think your, your choices of, of play and gameplay are that much more broadened. Broadened? Is oh, that yeah. a word? Broadened? I guess. You just more made it broad? Well, know. I'm really lucky to play in a team where we're so versatile. All the players can pretty much do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, Dan Norcross will get in the snake and come dunk on fools. I mean, yeah. he's like seven foot ten. So, you know, it's a really, it's a really, it's a necessary skill if you're going to play in the professional league in 2019. You know, people play every spot. So, yeah. You have to know the entire field. You can't just say, I'm going to be this, you know, this guy. Unless you're extremely talented at playing that one spot and that's, you know, the only arrow in your your quiver, more power to you. But, you know, you you better be fucking phenomenal at playing that spot. Foo. Foo. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh. So what? Okay, I have a co- I have a couple questions for you. They might seem a little ridiculous, but I'm I'm, I'm in the mood. No, I did. It's all in my head, bro. All in your head. Yeah, it's all in my head. Uh, now I forgot it. No, I'm just kidding. So what? Uh, <laughs> what was something? Uh, what was a piece of advice that somebody gave you growing up that was completely ridiculous and just never worked and was like laughable? Fuck. That was a left field question. Right. Hmm. Might be a long pause in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I, I don't know, man. Some, probably something along the lines of you got to think for, you got to <laughs> put yourself first. I have no idea. Shoot man. the I, shooters. Shoot the shooters. <laughs> Bruno. I, whenever I, I, not that he said anything that was, completely like nuts or anything it was yeah. just it was in his verbiage so it was hard yeah. to like latch on right away because dude, i dude i trusted bruno i trusted him i trusted him to yeah. make the right decisions right all the time 
Love that dude. But like yeah. whenever I listen to him, especially during matches, I'm always trying first I have to decipher what he's like, saying and out. then compute what he's saying. Yeah. Dude, I don't honestly it's so hard to remember bad advice. I mean, at least personally, it's mm-hmm. I don't rem- I don't I try not to commit that shit to memory. Yeah, I don't think I have any either. I don't even know why I, I asked that question. I, I think when it because <laughs> I couldn't answer it. Maybe I think uh, I think when you get bad advice and you try it out and it doesn't work the first time, you say fuck this shit. But at the same time, you get good advice and you can do the right thing or what you think the right thing is more than more times than it should take yeah. and, you, and you fail, but you know, eventually see, so I don't know, man, I, I don't commit bad advice or at least I try not to, to memory. Maybe it was like, um, yeah. you know, one of those things, cause I've, I've changed teams a few times during my career. Right. And I, I don't know if I'm trying to think back if like, if I had anybody in my ear, like this is a good decision or, you know, maybe we should think about this one. Or I, I think it was just, my conscience i mean no although i did have one so one i have to give credit to my friends it was when uh i was on tipman and i was asking them if i should go find rich telford and talk about excessive and me trying out for him and everything they're like dude no go you need to go because i was having so much fun playing on that team right because we were just all friends we all played together and it was it was awesome, but um, it was like I was so nervous in that moment because I wasn't sure what the right decision was, and they and they kind of pushed me in that, you know, kind of up on that on the where I needed to be. Right. I mean, uh, for the most part, for the for the majority of my life, I've tried to always I've always tried to make decisions for myself. Um, try to look at things rationally, you know, logically. I think I've always had a good hone in on what right and wrong is at least. Mm. And if I, you know, if I don't have, there are select few people that, you know, I will solicit advice from if I don't have the right answer, if I can't come up with the right answer on my own or I'm just stumped, you know, there are people that I respect uh, that I will definitely confide in and, you know, try to try to get some advice, at least from someone that has more experience. Uh, but I yeah. try to make decisions for myself. Um, if someone gives me bad advice, I'm, you know, I'm probably just gonna be like, "Fuck that shit," right off the top. Isn't it great? But here's the thing: how do you know it's bad advice until it doesn't work out? I don't know. Some some bad advice is obviously instant advice, <laughs> right? You're like, wait, wait. You don't need that umbrella, and the fucking skies yeah, yeah, are black. Yeah. Like, eh, yeah. Mm, mm. yeah, I don't know. But that's a good question too. How do you know it's bad advice? Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you have to find out. You, and you have to experience it. Yeah, it's a learning process. Yeah. So, so uh, another question. You can probably answer this one. Like maybe not right. Maybe right away. Maybe not. But it's not like a, a stupid like question that was like the last one. <laughs> um, if you could bring a player back who is retired. Not me. Uh, who would you want to play Jeez. with? <laughs> who would I want to play with yeah. on my current team now? Just in general, like who would you want? Who would you want on the field with you, like playing as your two, or playing or as, as your as your your other front guy on the field? You know what I mean? Just 
like what player would you have come back and what position like I would make Bruno play the number one in front of me just so I could watch him. Oh god, flop in his around in his this would prime. this would be a oh. player this would be a player to bring back in their prime. Okay. In their prime. Yeah. Mm. It would probably be Bruno. Yeah. Probably be Bruno because I know he was nasty in his prime. Granted, it was the woods, but I think it would be so fun. We played, you know, he started to play with us during practice towards the end of uh, my last full season. Mm-hmm. And that was really fun. You know, he, he knows the game really well. And if he doesn't have to try to explain it to you and he can just do it, um, I think it helps him. And it was really fun to, you know, see a coach step out of that, that authoritative role and kind of have fun and, and get back to the love of the sport. Also Todd, I mean, Todd yeah. was nasty back in the day and he, I, I've waited for him to break out the fucking rifle and shit, come out and practice with us, but it's yet to happen. I think that would be really fun. I also think that would, you know, make his, make his coaching job a little bit easier. You should egg him on, you know? Should, yeah right. Like, hey, dude, bring your uh, bring your gear with you. He's got enough gear. If he really wanted to play, play. But who knows? Yeah. He's got the babies going on too, though. Yeah, man. He's got a lot of stuff. He he works in the industry. Um, he's got two young daughters. Um, he coaches a professional team, so he's definitely got his hands full. Yeah. It might do him some good though. Blow off some steam. Shoot some noobs. Shoot some noobs. <laughs> Is he playing with you guys? Most <laughs> no, that's why I want him to uh that's well compared to him, we're probably all noobs, but he uh it would be really fun if he came out and the entire team went to like ICC. And yeah. you know, like Travis goes with Infamous. Um I know um, all the other old guys come out and play. Yeah, San Antonio X Factor. Um, Martinez, he plays. He's fucking good. Yeah, he's still like he whips it, dude. For he's I, I can't tell solid, if it's dude. him or Cole. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think it brings everyone like a little bit closer. It bridges the gap between player and coach. And even as a professional, experienced professional who has won events, when you're not on the field experiencing those like we talked about earlier those nuances on mm. the, on the specific field it can there can be you know a gap in communication a lack of understanding uh, between player and coach and i know they they have a bird's eye view todd usually is you know in an elevated position and he sees everything that goes on and he obviously sees the mistakes um and he sees what we do right um he has a general concept of what he wants us to accomplish on the field mm. but I, I just think there's something intangible about pulling the trigger yourself. Yeah. You know, it's hard to explain to someone that has never played uh, how exciting the game is and how, you know, encompassing the game is if they don't actually pick the gun up and play for themselves. Yeah. You know, how, if you could do that, if you, could, if you could show people just through conversation, if you could explain it to them, then there'd probably be a millions of fans, you know, or at least more fans than there are now. I think, I think one of the biggest things 
I mean, obviously we're all here because we made that choice, right? To go back, buy gear, get better, figure out what really paintball is, right? Uh, but I think paintball, not only, a, you know, in the beginning is it mentally kind of straining, just kind of going into this new thing, but I think also with the gear that comes with it, the unknown gear, because paintball is such a, a nuanced thing. So I think that that also comes in. Well, I need this, and I need this, and I need this, because they're not going to go just rent the gear anymore if they want to buy stuff. So I, it, I think it's right. it's kind of there's a lot that kind of goes into it to really get up and get going, and I think that might kind of halt people, mm-hmm. but it might not. Who paintball, knows? paintball reminds me of it's a it's like a rich kid sport, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not rich. You're not rich, I ain't rich, but it's it's like polo, you know. You mm-hmm. there's so much equipment. Everything is so expensive. If you don't, if you're not good enough to get a sponsor, you know, you were good enough with a with a Titman. I mean, it wasn't a stock Titman, but I'm sure if you went out there with a stock Titman, you could still compete um, because just athletically, you were good enough to play the sport. Um, it, it costs a lot of money to buy paint. I mean. Fuck! If I had to buy all the paint we use at practice, I just couldn't do it. We would we would play uh, when we when I played with distortion. We would practice you guys, and I think we would all buy two to three cases um, on a weekend or on a, on a day. Yeah, maybe it was a weekend, and we had to really make it last. You uh, you look at a pro team that, especially like aftershock, you mainly wanted to play points, but if you play points, you expend your, your paint fairly quickly. Yeah. And if you try to break the field down and do breakouts and drills, you can kind of, you can get an understanding of how the field plays before you shoot, you know, a thousand balls per man per point. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if you're not, and, and that goes along with, you know, teaching clinics and trying to help kids understand that you don't have to, to shoot, uh, you know, a full pod pack and a full hopper every single point you play to get better. Accuracy you know, over you volume. Can, you can conserve. For me. Yeah. Well, we know you you ride that train. but <laughs> Dude, uh, it's so much fun. I don't know why more people don't do it, dude. But you know what? That is fun to me and it's for other people. It's fun to shoot a bunch of paint mindlessly with a, with a robot marker and, you know, just aim. But... I mean, I I have an appreciation for for accuracy. I mean, as a as a front player, you typically need to hit your first shot. Um, your first ball needs to land, you know, land on its target. I curse um, out loud when I miss my first shot. Do you really? Yeah, to myself. I'm like, yeah. I'm. Always, it's always one of those things where you fucking. Oh yeah. You're you're sitting and you're waiting, especially like if you're posted on somebody, and you're sitting there and you you see them come out and you blow one right by their goggles or like right over their, yeah. just over their head. You're like, fuck. You, you can't, <laughs> you shoot an entire loader and you uh, must have broken that loader of paint on the dive in and you just can't hit the fucking dude's head. It's right there. Oh, man. You can't hit it. Like, uh, see, that's another, it. that's another story. <laughs> like if, if a, if a third party problem comes in where the paint breaks, like that's frustrating, yes. But when you're shooting straight as fucking arrows, and you miss a yes. guy fifty feet in front of you, 
I kick myself. Because you yeah. have to. Because the games could fucking, you know. And I, I think it's the same situation with bad guys needing to be so accurate off the break. Because I think those small millisecond things are things that could change the momentum. They do change. Uh, they these, do change yeah. the momentum. They do change the game. And you know that. That's why it's so frustrating. Because as a pro- professional paintball player, you you realize how small the margin really is. Like how, how small it truly is. Mm-hmm. And that's how good the competition is. I mean, that's how good all the professional or all the professional players in the league, that's how good they are. It's, it's amazing what people can accomplish if they devote themselves, you know, and I guess some people take it for granted, you know, after a while, if you play so much and it just becomes, you know, like muscle memory, but I mean, it's hard to be good out there mm-hmm. for real. I mean, people, it, you're right. If you miss a guy by a quarter inch, you know, or you come out a split second too early or or a half a second too late, I mean, that, that changes an entire match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, There's there's been, I've had opportunities land in my lap and I would fuck <laughs> it up, dude. And, and it would piss me <laughs> off so much. And, and there's a, there's a match that comes to mind and it was, I can't remember the year. I think it was 16. It might've been 16 and it was either the Chicago or world cup. And it was against damage. Mm-hmm. And were you on the team then? What in uh 16? I think you were. Mm. Nope. No, no, or no, 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 no. This was 17. This was 17. Well, then that was on the team. And then this was when Rob got shot. Oh, it was me and you. It was me and you. No, this is not World Cup. This is... It was Chicago. No, it wasn't Chicago. It was Northeast. It was uh, Atlantic City. We were in Atlantic City. Yeah. And it was me and you. And we brought the game back. Like, I had some... It was five on three, right? Yes. And I think I shot a couple of dudes. And I was going to run down the last player. And I thought I had traded with with the guy. He was in the Doritos. I thought I traded with him, and he shot me because I ran like a moron. I mean, also, I have regrets on this play. Um, (laughs) I didn't bunker him correctly. And you, I was walking past you off the field. I was trying to, like, run block for you, and I'm just thinking, shoot this fucking guy. Please shoot this fucking asshole. And... I saw you make a decision. I saw your your demeanor, your body language. You were thinking about like shooting at the guy, and then on the other hand, you were thinking about sprinting towards the buzzer. And you sprinted towards the buzzer. I saw you make the decision, and like two steps out of your bunker, he shoots you like center mass right in the chest. Yeah. And your whole body looked like someone you melted. Someone just pulled you out of the microwave. You're hot cheese. Dude, you I don't know how he knew but, I was there. He, I, I know he knew I was in the snake or maybe he, right. I don't know. I don't know, but I was on their side of the field already. Yeah. I think he was just kind of looking and he kind of had his gun in that Kentucky left hand, Dixie cross, whatever. Um, and then you kind of, you came out into the open and I think he just, fire a couple balls at you and hit you with one of them yeah because i was like ah, fuck i'm close enough where i can run and hit the buzzer because he's not going to know where i am he's going to think i'm still in the yeah. snake and yeah. completely wrong decision <laughs> yeah man 
I mean, fuck, how many wrong decisions can you make? I could, I could, I lost count how many wrong decisions I've made in the field. So let's, I want to go through that because I want to go through that, um, that match because I remember, I remember eventually getting into the snake. I shot Edwards, the little brother. I shot him. Uh, I got down the field, crawled into the snake and I posted up on him. And I don't think he, they, I don't think they knew where I was at that. No, he bailed. He bailed from one of the Edwards brothers bailed from the Dorito side corner. And when he went to go back towards the center on the back line, uh, by the start box, That's I right. shot him, you shot him going back. And then, so that was the first G. I think that was the first G. I, honestly, I think that was the second G. I think the first G was either the guy in the center of the field by the W or the guy in the snake corner. Because I remember in the Dorito two from that field, you could see the snake corner pretty well. And I think Montressor was playing that spot. He was, but I think, I don't think he was in the corner though. I think he was in that, that, yeah, I think he was in that pyramid right next to him, that short Aztec, Uh, but not the corner. And see, I, when I got in the snake, I shot Edwards who was also in the snake, but I think he was in snake one and I was in snake two or the 50. I can't remember, but I came out, saw he wasn't there posted, knew he was in the snake and then shot him mm-hmm. in the side of the goggles. And then as soon as that right. happened, I either came up and shot uh, Tim or I crawled up to the next one and came up and shot Tim. And then right. I actually, before I did that, I rolled over and shot the lane from D1 to D2. Right. And as soon as I came out and shot that, he was just taking off. So by the time my paint got there, I was literally like a foot behind him. And so he that, had, was, that was the guy who ended up shooting you in the yes, end. Yes, yes. And that was before he, uh, you ran him down or tr- attempted he to had, run him down. And and he, I don't believe he knew I was there yet because when he ran through that lane, he ran it with his head facing forward. Like he wasn't yeah. put, trying to put me in or whatever. Um, and I fucking missed him. And I, I was like, fuck, fuck. So I figured I'd just try <laughs> and get down the field um, a little bit further and just try and yeah. clean up on this side. Who... Was it was it me, you, and Rob? I, I think at the end of the day, it was me and you. But who? I don't think any, anyone else. Who was our left. third guy who got shot while we were trying to do all this, or while I don't we think were doing? Rob it. was playing with us. He was playing with Boom. That's right. It was probably it was either Nick Pez. I think Kerr, it was Pez. It was Pez or Kerr, I think. AJ. But it was Nick. I think it was Nick Pez. And then there Nick was Pez. there was one. Um, it was another damage game, and uh, I think Jason Edwards, he muzzled, I think he, he he had his loader off, and he was just shooting at Rob, and Rob got into a one-on-one, and he fucking loaded a ball, and was like, Phew! and it just curved around, and just smacked him right in the center oh, of his chest, I'm like, oh my god, and it, it was overtime, it was overtime and probably for us to go to fucking Sunday and all this stuff. And we're like, oh, my God. Like, we cannot turn this curve. I don't know what the hell is going on. Dude, it, we were so on. It was discipline and a, lo- a lot of little things that really prevented us from being a winning team. That's all it was. When you're not I prepared, mean, the luck is not on your side. Right. I mean, it takes a lot to be – it takes a lot of effort for a group of adults to be an actual team to, to embody what, what a team actually is, you know, 
it's not just showing up with you know the right colors on yeah it takes a lot of effort and i think for the most part you know we we wanted to be competitive we're we're obviously you know competitive individuals but we weren't competitive as a team and i think that was the only thing on our mind was was just playing and being professionals and having fun and you know it wasn't we weren't focused on what what process we needed to follow to mm. be successful you know yeah it's yeah. just how for us unfortunately it, it sucked though too because we were so close all the time right well we're we always had really talented players i mean i think there was no shortage of that at, at one point in time i think aftershock could have fielded the best team in the league mm. but it's the lack of you know discipline and commitment and other other shit like that yeah now obviously you're on a team that is that is full of just stunners uh wh- what yeah. is it what is it that needs to happen in your camp to uh see you guys on late sunday i think that when we play a field we all feel confident in our own roles and we also feel confident in each other um i think that allows us to play with certain type of ferocity Mm -hmm. you know It, it allows us to be a little bit more dominant on the field and i think that i think that gives us our best opportunity to win um i i firmly believe that each and every one of us are will always be prepared. Um, we'll always come ready to go. You know, all our shit works. Everyone's mentally geared, you know, towards learning and, and playing their best paintball. Um, and fundamentally, you know, my teammates are extremely, you know, talented. So um, I, I think it's just like, I think it's just a couple of little things, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of little things. And, if we get into that, you know what I'm talking about. You get into the zone. You're really confident in, in what you have to do. You're, you're really confident that your teammate knows what he has to do. He knows what you have to do. You know, you guys are all on the same page. Communication's working. You know, everyone's communicating well. Um, and I think that we are a Sunday team for sure. If that's the kind of ball that we we decide to play on any given day. Mm-hmm. I think we could we could definitely win a tournament. So yeah, that's my diagnosis. Yeah, I agree, man. You guys' variety of player is uh, is really across the board. You guys have guys that can play anywhere, all up and up and down the squad, and and yeah, I'm I'm I always want you to do well. You know that. Hell yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, dude, always, man. Well, just... I mean, I'm really, I'm really proud of my teammates. I'm really lucky to play on a team that has so many versatile, talented players, um, and it's, it's also really cool that everyone is committed to one thing, no matter what it is. You know, whatever Todd decides, that's you know what we're committed to, right. and it makes it easy. Um, it makes it easier for for everyone when. You don't have like that wild card, you know, that's trying to, you know, do something different or disagree, you know, doubt. That's, mm-hmm. that's a kill, 
You know, when you have someone that just doubts everything, doubts themselves, doubts the coach. I mean, not to bring know, up so. Aftershock again, but I feel like that was our problem too. We had a lot of players on the team who doubted the game plans and doubted just the, you know, Bruno. Right. That, well, even if the guy's wrong, even if your leader is, you know, flat out wrong, if everyone commits to the same thing, you're you're probably going to have a better outcome more consistently than you would if, you know, two guys decided to do this and three guys decided they were doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, you're better off as a team working together. Um, it, paintball can feel individual, you know, like an individual sport at times, but it is absolutely a team team sport. You cannot win an event by yourself. No one is that good. It's not going to happen. You, you know, single players can make the difference in any given match, but you you have to have your teammates. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to you have to be you know, you have to have that togetherness. And I mean, I don't feel like I don't, definitely don't feel like we did when we were in aftershock. Yeah, I feel like, I yeah, yeah. I, I I feel like, you know, teamwork is, and, and being on a team, a successful team is, it's something that's built of individual efforts for the same cause. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. the the team is just as important as the player, and the player is just as important as the team because the team is made of those players that believe in the system. And, you know, it all, you know, it takes, it could take one guy with an opinion or, or, or with this attitude and it could be cancer for a paintball team or any team. I mean, you know know what I mean? So how strong your team really is, you know, are you going to let that, you know, come in and and ruin things or are you going to identify that as an issue and, you know, have the fortitude yeah, to, to say, Hey, this is bullshit. You know, this is not what we're here to do. I mean, that's, I believe in pure coaching. I know that some, some people are a little more harsh than others, but you have to have pure coaching. You have to hold each other accountable Mm -hmm. and you have to hold each other to a certain standard, you know? And if you're not maintaining that same standard that the next guy is, then maybe you don't belong here, you know? And I know every one of my teammates, uh, maintains that standard. You know, all the time, um, and that's I, I'm really fortunate to play. I say it again, with a group of guys that that do that, that are consistent with that. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes showing up and playing it, it not only makes it funner. I mean, it gives us a much better opportunity to succeed. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I, I always, you know, because I was more the veteran on on some of the later teams that I played on, I always tried to keep the morale up. And yeah. and try to keep, you know, because I'm, I'm sure there's players out there who want to know kind of how you are in the pits or on the field and want to know how I was in the pits or the field and, and mindset. But I, I always thought, man, it's pierce it with positivity. And, and that's how Ooh. I saw it. It's like if somebody, if there's a wall or something like that, dude, it's really hard to get, get through there with a pick right with a little pick but if you can if you can come a negative pick right but if you can come through with a positive hammer and just like reinforce the not i don't want to say ego but i I, more or less the the competitive spirit of the player and the confidence in them in themselves 
if you can do that and keep that going, I feel like that is, is so much more effective. Um, yeah. Well, speaking of the damage match that you brought up a few minutes ago, that, uh, when we, when we fucked that up and I got shot, I swore up and down that I had, you know, put a ball treated with the player. Yeah. And we came off the field. I remember watching it later on the webcast when you and I came off the field and I was pissed, you know, swearing, cussing, I fucking shot him, blah, blah, blah. And I, I had lost my cool. You know, I was super, I was irate and we were playing hard. We had actually, I think we came back from like a three point deficit. Mm-hmm. Um, we were going to, I think that was an actual overtime point. Yeah. I, I may be wrong. I'm pretty sure. It um, was. but watching myself, um, on the cast after I, it's like how much I actually lost my cool and how embarrassed I was of, of how I acted, you know. And I had I'd only been a professional paintballer for two or three events. I, I wasn't really a professional yet, yeah. but you know, I, I kind of thought about what what example I was setting for kids that knew me that you know look either looked up to me on the field. Or, you know, people that didn't know me that were watching, mm-hmm. you know, it was embarrassing. I mean, even when things go wrong, you know, you, you have to keep your composure and you yeah. have to try to be professional and realize how you're impacting the people around you. Um, even when things go wrong, especially when things go wrong, mm-hmm. it, it's easy to be happy when you're winning. Everyone's like super happy when you're winning and, oh, yeah. you know. Good old best friend. Yeah. But when you lose, you know, you have to learn to use that, um, as a, as a le- opportunity for learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't lose your composure, you know, and it's really hard because paintball is a very emotional sport. And I think that people put a lot of, you know, emotion obviously goes into it and a lot of physical effort goes into it. You know, we all, Time. we all say, yeah, we all sacrifice a lot of our lives to, to play the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to realize how you're affecting other people. I mean, if you're going to if you're gonna have come with some constructive criticism, that's perfectly fine. If you want to tell someone they're doing something wrong, you know, that's perfectly fine. It's, it's peer coaching. I'm all for it. But you have to do it with the right, you know, frame of mind. You have to have the right intentions. Um, and you have to, you know try to control what the impact is that you have on you know your teammates or a kid that you're teaching you know you can't you can't always just fly up the handle and motherfuck everyone because they're not thinking the way that you think yeah you know it's there are a lot of people that try to do that that try to overpower um their players or their teammates to try to impose their you know and some people need their that. Thought process on you some people do need that yeah. i just think that you get a lot more with sugar than you do with salt and if you just throw generations a change, bit, yeah. If you if you if you throw a little bit of sugar in there when you're talking to talking to people, you know it might it might pay off. I mean that's not how I came up. I came up getting shit on and told I was a fucking you know little scumbag. And I but I think that's called. how those people got taught, right? You know what I mean? Right. I, that's why I'm thinking. That's why I always said that I think it's a generation thing, uh, a, a different learning. Not not that you have to coddle them. And I and I think. 
and I think that's the biggest misinformation that's going on with the older generations uh, to mm -hmm. the younger generations is that they're always on on brawn, right? Brawn and suck it up, and this is how I was taught. Grit, and grit your teeth. Yeah, grit your teeth and fucking put your dick to the dirt and just yeah, go. Get the fuck right? up and get done. Yeah. But now it's the generation of information, right? And if you can give somebody the right information and have them retain it, it's a lot better than if you were to insult them on what they don't know or the mistakes that they did make. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's not that they're weak and, and there, but there's, you know, there's some people out there who are mentally weak. Um, mm -hmm. but, but I think that it's, it's not that they're weak. Um, the ones who, who are being taught in a certain way. I, I think it's just, they, they're looking to learn in a different way. And, and the thing is, is everybody can learn any way you want to. It, it just depends on what specific time zone or, or, or area that you live in on what you're going to be embedded with. So anybody can learn anything, but it's the learning and the lessons that are taught specifically that are how they're going to affect you. Yeah. I, it's not that I've thought deep about this or anything, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, I your think it's a generational thing. Definitely has a definitely has an impact on, you know, your learning process and how you learn. And I just personally, I some people I've found that they don't really respond well to, like you say, just the the all brawn. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think I think too, it's it's one of those things where um, experience comes in, and like if I get shot early. Or I, or I get shot stupid, Bruno knows that he doesn't have to yell at me and to let me know that I did something wrong because he knows I did something wrong and he knows I know that I did something yeah. wrong. So I can come in the pit, look at him, and he gives me one of those, you know, like... Yeah. One of those, you're, you're <laughs> I, fucking I, up, I fucked up. <laughs> I fucked up, man. He knew, I think Bruno knew that, like, I am definitely, without a doubt, my, my own biggest critic, but... Mm -hmm. He just enjoyed. I think that's the curse of a competitor. I call that. Yeah. He enjoyed yelling at me about it. Often. He, does, he liked, but I think it's, I think it comes down to the fucking grade school. The more he picks on you, the more he likes you. So, oh, he knew I could take that shit. You yeah. know, just fucking <laughs> well, that, I mean, that helped. Yeah. But he would definitely do that. I saw the look he gave you a few times. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, dude, Maybe I fucked up. And, and that's, that's the thing is nobody's perfect, man. <clears throat> nobody's perfect. I'm constantly learning and, you know, I'll make mistakes, but I'm willing to make the make the effort and, and make the move rather than just wait it out. Like I like to play the odds, right? If the odds I feel like are, are in my favor, if I see a window, then I'm going to take it. And, right, and you're sometimes you're ready to fucking pull the trigger. If I have a 50, 50 chance, I will do it. it. I know you will. I was there because it's, it's, I mean, there's, dude, there's a lot of times, there's a I'm lot like, of times where it works. Don't do it. <clears throat> and you're gone. You're already gone. Yeah. It's, it, it's, and there's so many variables in paintball that it's, I think, I feel like it's such a black and white choice that you make in paintball. You either hide or you shoot and move. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at the game, I mean, depending on how the field layout is, if, if you can be aggressive or if you can hold the field, 
because um, some fields you can be really aggressive, but you can't necessarily hold the field. Right. Um, and you're using your senses too of kind of the the way the game. I <laughs> I use my senses all the time. Um, <laughs> you can wait until the game breaks down to a certain point, and that may be more beneficial for you to do what you like to do so much. Um, but you have to decide when that when that what that what time that is. Mm-hmm. You know, when when is the time for that? And if you're if you always take the first opportunity to attempt that, then you know your odds may not be that high. But right. if you wait for a better opportunity, then you know you could end up closing out um, the majority of the games. And that's a big part of my game that I'm trying to work on now is you know timing. Of course, I can be aggressive and I can make a lot of spots and I can make a lot of moves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think earlier in my career. Um, I put myself in a, in a lot of positions that I really shouldn't have been in that soon. It really didn't benefit the team. It really didn't benefit me, but I was doing it just because I could. Yeah. You know, and I, I was trying to do too much as an individual at that point and not relying on my teammates and not waiting for the game to break down, you know, to the right point where that move is appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I feel the same way. And I think that there's a lot of times where I took it upon myself thinking as an individual player um, for right. the individual player making a move rather than thinking about the consequences of, of you know, is, is it the right situation with how many bodies we have? Is it this? Is it that? I I had at times tunnel vision where and that's the thing, man. It's like and how I how I became pro and everything. I don't know. I really don't know. I'm not as fucking good as these players out here, dude. It's insane yeah, how dude, good they are. You're just as good. I think that I think that you're a fantastic player. I think that for any anybody playing the professional league now though, it's it's more than just, you know, being able to run a gun or being able to, you know, or being fast or having a wicked snapshot, being the best communicator, you know, it's it's everything. Mm-hmm. And you have to try to you you have to try to embody all of those skills um, to really be a complete player to have an impact. You know, most of the most of the players in the league do that very well. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are a select few that have more trouble with that, but you know that reflects in their in their ranking. You know. Yeah, and their dedication. So, I mean, look at the yeah, look at the, I mean, the players that are as good as they are, and. They yeah, play a lot crazy, of man. people. Yeah, if you're gonna go, if you're gonna play these guys on Sunday, deep into Sunday, and you're gonna take a tournament from them, um, it, it's a feat. You know, it's a it's an accomplishment. That's why so many of us are addicted to it because it's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to do a lot of things, and um, I'm very impressed with the abilities that you know the players in the pro league in the U.S. especially. You know, their abilities are tremendous. Yeah. So it, it's super fun, man. It's it's addicting. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I yeah. even I, I, I liked <laughs> playing I liked playing paintball so much that in between points I remember in between points I'd want to like play games just to shoot and work on my accuracy. Just because I like playing the game of paintball, right? You play play the game of paint where it's just like horse. Right. But you're you know, shooting things left handed right. under your behind your back, you know, 
it's like having yeah. having fun like that and keeping your mind on the game and pretty much the basic objective of, of you know shooting said thing with a paintball right i mean is it always like a simulation war game you know i mean that's pretty much the the fundamental basis of of the game you know that we play today it's you can change it you know different field layouts you can change the format you can add more guys take guys away but at the end of the day it's you know it's always people shooting at people at least Mm -hmm. up until this point and you know it breaks down a lot of different ways but at the end of the day it's kind of always it's the same too i Mm -hmm. mean you're just shooting it shooting at you so you know it's a it's a really fun game it's really dynamic i think it's more dynamic than most traditional sports um it's uh it's almost too dynamic where people don't understand it right away. Well, it's it's definitely too dynamic for the average person to walk in off the street and just completely understand the game. You know, we've all explained it to ourselves and compared our sport to sports that have a you know one ball or one focal point that you could watch, and after you realize that they're trying to put the ball in the hoop or the ball in the net or the ball in this end zone, you know, or the ball baseball, you know, out in the fucking left field. So you could run the bases. It's pretty simple. Yeah. You know? So, so I had I mean, this, I had this idea that I, that I was thinking about trying to take to uh, the league to see if they wanted to try it out. And it's this thing called the Advantage Bunker. Did I tell you about this? Mm-mm. So the Advantage Bunker, it is a designated bunker on, on either side of the field. So, you know, it, it would be mirrored um, just like any other one. It's You remember the Balls Bunker from... Mm-hmm. Okay, so it, it would be a bunker like that where it would, it would clearly be a different bunker uh, as far as color goes and just everything. Make it a sponsored bunker. Shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Make it a sponsored right. bunker. But this bunker, um, essentially, yours would be on the other team's side. Mm-hmm. And the the objective of the game now has become either shoot all the players out and they concede, hit the buzzer. This is all to score a point, right? Uh, hit the buzzer or get into their get into your advantage bunker on their side of the field for more than 10 seconds and it's an automatic point. It's a cool idea. So now, and and that's the whole thing is you have, you can have a timer. You can have somebody on, on that bunker all the time. As far as a, a reference point, somebody watching it, you can have a timer and a light that goes off on the, on the scoreboard or whatever to let you know that there's somebody in the bunker and how long they've been in there. Make it, 15 seconds or, or 20 or whatever, or, or 10, whatever, whatever works, it would have to be played out. But this would, I feel like this would be for all the teams that do really good at getting a guy far down the field, but then kind of can't catch up. This Mm -hmm. gives kind of the upper hand to that player. So it gives, it gives you an incentive to be aggressive. I feel like you're framing this around your abilities to be faster than everyone on the field. Well, not, I mean, I'm just fucking with you. I'm fucking with you. Look, I think it's a good idea. I really do. I think that's a very interesting idea. 
I think the problem with it, I, I don't think the problem is good ideas or bad ideas, understanding, you know, is this a good idea or bad idea? I think the the league has an issue with when you change something in the league, you know, there's always a giant uproar because right. it affects the lifeblood of our sport. You know, if, if we didn't have national events, you know, we wouldn't make all this money. We couldn't keep the, the league going, what have you. I think that if you separate and have like a separate, you have a separate league, not the NXL where you could have maybe a divisional league, Mm. um, or maybe even a professional only league where you can implement ideas into the league and you can sort of put them through a test phase um, to determine how they affect the games, how it affects cost, um, you know, paint consumption. Make it a traveling open class league. Right. Anything, you know, that would potentially hurt your business, which, you know, for sake of discussion is the NXL. You know, I don't think they want to make changes that are going to, cause harm to the league right um and so i think that's where the hesitation is is um and and i don't i don't know this for sure i I know very little about the you know the inner workings of the nxl but Mm -hmm. um i think that that would be because it seems like every time a change is made it's it's just implemented without any testing without any you know prior knowledge or any data right and so people are like what the fuck who decided this? But if only a select few teams might have been ready. It, right. Well, if you can separate it from, you know, the normal league that you have, and you can kind of put put it through a testing phase and determine how it's going to hurt or help, mm-hmm. I think that you can integrate those ideas um, more effectively into the actual league. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. you'll you'll have buildup of you know, people that are excited about changes, you know, and you can actually, you know, you can actually see the excitement in the, in the community. Mm-hmm. And then you know that you're at something positive to, you know, what's already a good thing. You know, I think that maybe that would help, but yeah. And it doesn't you know, need to, it doesn't need to be ginormous. It doesn't need to be a huge conglomerate, right. like crazy league. Like just a super simple, maybe two field league or something like that. You know what I mean? Amateur and pro, or or you know, and whoever can be pro, if you know, as long as you get teams built up, and then you have an amateur bracket, pro bracket, whatever. But also uh, going back to that advantage bunker, I, I think with with my mindset <laughs> behind that too was that you never have you never have the upper hand and would want to just sit it out, even if you had a one or two point lead. Because now, mm-hmm. if I get if, if it's a three, uh, let's say a four on two or four on th- four on three, and you guys are up by one, I can still I don't have to shoot all you guys. Like I can just get in that advantage bunker, and the clock starts ticking. And if that goes down, we get a point. So as soon as the the back players who are hunkered in and they're a turret, as soon as they see me get in that advantage bunker, now it's not just one of those things where it's like okay, well I don't have to shoot them out of there. We can just contain them. Like, no, if I get in the advantage bunker and that clock goes down to zero, that shot clock, if you want to call it, if that goes down to zero, then that's a point for us. So it kind of makes the back players also have to kind of get up off their anchor and 
and do something if instead of like the the long slow points right you know what i mean so, so you're giving essentially you're giving uh teams a second way or an alternative way to win the game yeah and to make as games a little bit to... uh, quicker too yeah i think it's a good idea i think that would be interesting um I don't know what the pitfalls to that idea would be off the top of my head, but I keep trying to go um, over them. I keep trying to think of some, but I've like, everything has really been kind of working out. Like, like you can't go there. You can't go there. If, uh, it's a one-on-one or a two-on-one, you know what I mean? Or something like that. Like under three players, if you have less than three players, you cannot use the advantage bunker. Like it doesn't count. Cause if it's a one-on-one and you just go to the advantage bunker, then it's, it, it's not, it has to be like three players or more or something like that alive yeah. still. And I, you know what I would do still, I would have how many players are left on each team up on the scoreboard. I would just, right. I, I would put wow. it up there because it's, I mean, does it really matter yeah. if you know how many guys are alive? I, I think it's more impactful. Yeah, to know where it does. They, well, no, no, no. Oh, hear me out. Hear me out. I, I think it's more too. impactful to know where they are on the field and, and still have to rely on your communication rather than the scoreboard. I think having how many are left are are is would help and and keep the game moving too. I think I think it wouldn't matter having it up there or not. Yeah, I mean, I think that definitely gives an advantage to you know, a, a significant advantage if you can count the bodies on the scoreboard. A lot of team, you know, players lose lose track unless you're on the, you know, yeah. the side where players walk off or really you know, keeping up on your communication. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that would change the game for sure. I mean, I you can make the game harder to win. Yeah. That I mean, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, you know how many players are on their side, but they also know how many players are on your side. It's, it's kind of like one yeah. of those things. Well, like, okay. So have this idea, but what happens with the idea? I mean, how do you, how does this become reality? Because everybody has an idea. Everybody right. has these unique thoughts and perspectives in the game, but how do you transition from an idea to, you know, reality? What is the right way for the league to do that? You know, do they feel like they're equipped to actually implement new ideas? I feel like their history with implementing new ideas into the league um, is, you know, their reputation is kind of tarnished if you look at, you know, their track record. So yeah, but there's always going to be, how do you do that? What's the right way to do that? I think that's what you have to really – I think that's the question you really have to push is how are we going to take new ideas uh, to improve the sport and implement them? What's the pro- what's the right way to do that? You know, that's – Are you asking me or is it I rhetorical? No, I mean I, I am asking you. What, what are your thoughts? Well, what I would do is I would first sit down with the idea with the people who make the actual decisions – um, and maybe a couple of the, the team owners, you know, or team captains or whatever. And, and, uh, n- from top to bottom or actually fucking invite them, invite the top teams and the teams in the middle and the teams at the bottom, invite all the captains say, Hey, like, and this is might what they do. This might be what they do in Vegas every year. I don't, I don't know, but just make it to where everybody sits down and go, Hey, listen, we have this idea. We want you to try it out and and show it to everybody. 
and, and say, this is what we want to do and, and start doing it now. Like they should have probably been doing it since Chicago, right? It's just having these tests and, and having like, maybe not even necessarily have the pros do it because have it like divisional guys do it or, you know, have, or if the pros want to try it out to tr- just to try it out because paintball's paintball again and just adding this advantage bunker kind of keeps you on your toes a little bit more right so and then i would pretty much sell the idea just not sell it pitch the idea right and and lay out the cons well lay out the pros and see if we can bring up any cons and and really have people experiment with it see what happens give us a month or two of solid play and and keeping track of it and and let us know honestly come back and see if this is the direction that we want to take and we would invite the teams to try it out if they liked it we you know took that into consideration and we get more information back and by the end of the year we would at least know that if something does work that we had as an idea but i think they would just have to commit to it commit to it and really say this is this is an idea we have that we think that, that can change the game um it's another way of scoring which is always exciting right like how exciting was it like imagine remember when they changed from the flag to the buzzer yeah you know it's in and, and there's it's a subtle change but it's a major change because now you're not having to worry about a flag you're just hitting a fucking buzzer right mm-hmm so with this, it's just adding another way to score that's not really that complicated, right? It's just trying to get to a bunker and then having some somebody pay attention with a with a handheld timer and yeah. you know, and then just executing executing that, like calling the game after fifteen seconds or whatever and saying, This team scored a point, man. It's it's and that's why I call it the um the advantage bunker, because if you get in there you have the you you get the point advantage. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I that's like how the I idea. would that's how I would approach it. But I'm not a salesman right. or a businessman. <laughs> well, I do, Carl. I really do think that is an exciting idea. Um, but I go back to my original point: it is, you know, how do you convince someone to implement this into the league? I think when you directly implement new ideas that haven't been tested into the national x-ball league i think it has more of an opportunity to hurt the league than it does to, to help the league even if it's a good idea yeah that's what i'm so saying that's why you ask the, you you ask the teams you don't you don't demand it you don't just come out with it and say right. this is what it is you ask the teams in the middle of the in the middle of the previous year that you wanted to start you ask the teams to do it and do it honestly and bring us feedback if they all mm-hmm. like it then you implement it and you already have teams that have tried it and liked it. And now next year isn't such a giant spear of a new thing. Right. right? So now yeah. they all have a good idea of what it is and play it legitly now with a scoreboard and a timer and a light and this, and, and this and that, you know, and an actual advantage bunker that, that is a different yeah. color on the field or whatever. So, so you have the, it's all in the preparation to the end result. And well, I mean, do you make a trend out of, um, you know, ideas into the league, implementing new ideas into the league? I mean, do you start some sort of forum or some sort of questionnaire that gets dispersed and actually implement those ideas? You know, well, you weed out the good ones now? and the bad ones. Right. I mean, obviously, if they do that, but 
you know, is that something that the NXL should should try to engage the the player audience um, a little more frequently, a little more deliberately, mm-hmm. um, in order to to make those changes? Or do you think the people that actually make decisions don't care. really trust the judgment <laughs> of? Well, not that they don't care. I mean, you you have to take into consideration certain people have a lot of money invested not to discount the money that every player has invested into the sport Mm -hmm. but they have a lot of money invested and a lot of time invested into maintaining a global competition yeah Yeah, i mean for all intents and purposes the nxl is is a global league i mean i know it's the national expo league but you know the real competition is in the u.s and the players from you know around the world they all want to play here Mm. so you know i think it's I think it's viewed as too much of a risk. I mean, think back four years ago, there there were a lot of changes with, I know that you were a fan of the layout not being released, but people freaked out. You know, what the fuck? Why are we just making this change with, you know, with no predetermined, you know, no statistics, you know, no questionnaire, yeah. no, no asking anyone what they thought. We're just going to do this. Mm-hmm. That didn't work out well. No. There's a lot of people that are upset they were releasing layouts. <laughs> they weren't releasing layouts. You liked that shit. I you know. You liked not knowing when you show up. Organics, dude. Dice. Organics. You learn the field. You show up and you learn the field. And you'll you'll get some organic movement and action and shit that... The original shit that people come up with, uh, you'll see it firsthand. Right. And... Well, maybe our sport's just too young. Maybe we're too young to have uh, multiple leagues that have a different, you know. I mean, there's there's multiple genres of music. Mm-hmm. Nobody listens to, or people don't listen to one genre. I mean, we're a very young sport, and I don't think there's enough foundation there to have multiple leagues with multiple, uh, you know, format styles. No, it's got to Where be, you could have an organic it. style league. Yeah, you know, where you could have exactly what you want. That would be awesome. Another idea that I had was going to be have fans and players submit field layouts, and then have the league and the the captains vote on a final five, and then have how many field layouts would you have to look through? How many? Obviously, you would only look through as many as you could. Do but I mean people are gonna make up some sweet <laughs> yeah. sweet layouts you know what I mean instead of relying on one guy to do it every time, dude you'll get a lot mm-hmm. that are terrible but you'll get a lot that are decent, and you'll get people involved. Like imagine how stoked you would There's be no- if you built a field and the NXL chose it and then they're playing it and you're like I built that fucking field. Well, that's what I mean behind having that like quote unquote test league or a sub league to the NXL. Um, in the U.S., that would lend itself to giving the player more of, of, you know, a deciding or a decision, more of a voice in, you know, the structure of the league. Mm-hmm. And I think that you could fund it correctly, um, you know, obviously with the attendance of the players, but you could you could test out those concepts. And, you know, but back to the, the multiple league thing, imagine the different – you know, we're talking about generations of paintballers coming up and 
you know, how the generations are changing. Imagine how many different types of player would be cultivated with the different leagues. Like you're saying, a league strictly with, you know, the layouts were released on site day of, Mm -hmm. you know, if you completely changed, you know, what kind of player would that create? If you had a generation growing up playing that style of tournament, you know, that would, I think that would make the game even more dynamic. Dude, you know, I have players that were. This is the NPL, man. This is what we were talking about. We were talking about doing an, uh, a, a um, UFC style events where it's just a one off and it's traveling. It's just a one off event. Mm-hmm. Anybody could anybody could enter in as a as a pro team because you know it's if you want it's like an open it's like an open class thing and you come in and you just try and win man and and make make it worthwhile of of showing up like obviously have you know i i don't care who you are like if you go out there and you're like oh the prize money doesn't matter well it doesn't matter one because it's not nearly the amount of anything else that's out there it's you know it's mm-hmm. it's it barely pays for the the travel and paint and everything that a team needs to get there right but right. imagine if you were if you were to have advertisers come in and make those prize packages you know, changing lives is, I think Tyler Harmon said that, you know, making a changing, a change, a life changing <clears throat> thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it would put, it would be so much more dynamic too, is if you just change a few things around, get outside sponsors in and, and, and have that be a top goal of, you know, instead yeah, of, I, dude, I, I don't know. I just think that like, honestly, you bring more attention to the sport. Um, is a positive thing. And I yeah. think what you're talking about in terms of lifestyle, like life-changing prize money, it definitely brings uh, more attention to the sport mm-hmm. just because if you have a prize pool that's $2,000, you know, that's very attractive to anyone. Yeah. But on the other side of the coin, you have individuals that are going to be competing for this in this open class uh, that are as talented as all the pros are, you know, how many people can realistically enter into that event and, and win that money, you know? So I think if you look at it from that perspective, you may end up retaining the people that are currently playing at the at an optimal level, mm-hmm. you may end up retaining those people, but you you also may not gain any new people uh, because how do you explain IAO would be so or, I mean how do you explain uh, Iron City Classic because those are all thrown well, together teams. I think no no I'm not saying that a thrown together team couldn't be successful and it can't all be fun. Iron City Classic is is a very well organized and and it's a very fun event oh yeah i love that event i think that we need more events like that but you're operating on a nostalgic layout with nostalgic rules and you're using mechanical markers which is a nostalgic thing and so there's it's sort of like a romantic thing for a paintball player to use an autococker again or a mechanical gun and Mm. to have 10 players and to play in the woods and on hyperball and mounds, you know, that's, that's kind of, you know, paying homage to, you know, where paintball came from. And I think the people that currently play the sport absolutely love that, 
you know, the people that have been playing for, you know, a decade or more just love that concept. But the topic of conversation is growing what, you know, growing from what the sport is now to having more players and more fans. And I think, I think a challenging part is in order to be a true fan, I think either you have to be a player or you have to have extensive knowledge of the sport itself. And it's very hard unless you're like someone like my dad that watches constantly because his son plays the professional league. Yeah. Um, Shout out to your dad. It's very hard to, yeah, what up pops? (laughs) It's very hard to be just a, a, you know, a spectator, just a common bystander and understand the sport enough to even enjoy watching it. Mm. I mean, if you look at, if you look at a paintball tournament, eventually everyone goes to the same bunkers. You have you have different players that snap shoot better or worse or are faster or slower or shoot people off the break or whatever they do, but it's it goes unnoticed by the common, you know, the common spectator. So, you know, if you look at a football game, it's the same game, it's the same field same rules but every single play that 13 seconds or however long the plays last they're all individual they're all created um and they're all new no one play is ever like the last play and so you're not watching something that is you know so repetitive and so intricate and so you know anything is possible and it's exciting because Mm -hmm. anything is possible so when you're watching paintball yeah it's it's possible for any team to win because we're all talented to the same degree, you know, to some degree. But it, it becomes repetitive, and even as a professional, as much as bunker. I love sport, yeah, it's manage bunker, you know. And I think that's a, a really good idea, Carl. I'm not trying to, no, no, you know, no, I'm not trying to cut you off. I'm just take anything away from your from your idea, but. I think that there are some fundamental things that you have to take into consideration before you can before you can add things like advantage bunker. I'm, I'm all for advantage bunker, homie. I promise you. But it's, you know, like, it's not up to me. It just needs a trial it period. Needs- That's all it needs is a trial period. Well, start a sub league and implement these new ideas. Ask the players. Make the player feel like they're more integrated into the league and they have, you know, more of a say and they feel like they're actually affecting something in the league. And building fields people right people are probably drawn to that right you had right. a hand in designing the field you had a hand in picking what changes they're going to make to the format um and then you're going to play it and i think i think when people own something i think when you when you're have a sense of responsibility for a new idea i don't think um i think it's better received even if it goes wrong i think mm. people have to you know look at themselves and say well you know I'm partly responsible for this at the other you know other end of the spectrum there's some people are probably going to say I, I knew that was a stupid idea this is stupid you know there's always the other end of the spectrum but um i think that if i think that's a good idea just like i said there needs to be a valid testing stage where if it is a good idea and people get excited about it it's not going to be should we do this or shouldn't we do this it's it's going to stand out and you're 
definitely going to want to implement this into the regular league. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe not. Who knows? Who I might knows, be wrong. But you know what? But what's fun about doing these is that the right people can hear them. And if the right people yeah. hear it, and, and that's I, – I feel personally – that there mm-hmm. are some things that were said on this podcast. I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, LJ. I'm just saying <laughs> we've gone over some things on this podcast that have been implemented eventually in certain areas of the game, I, I, I feel. And mm-hmm. I think just something as simple as having a YouTube channel or having some kind of platform or content that get that gets to people and communicates with them in a certain way that they can, you know, take that information with them and and create whatever. That's what I enjoy doing. And I think it's simple things like this, where we have, we're having a conversation, not only about the sport, but the inner workings that I don't really know a hundred percent about, but I, I think it's such a dynamic thing to think about because I mean, a lot of people, and I think that's why a lot of people enjoy this podcast is because we, we there's more to it than just the surface that that we scratch. And that's what I love talking about are, are things like this that could potentially turn the league into the right direction of where it needs to go. And and maybe, dude, I've gotten so many emails and, and messages of people saying, dude, you got me back into paintball and this and that. Like, I, I just love being able to talk to it, talk about paintball with other people with ideas and, and, and thought processes of just as a person, how to be better, how to make the league better and enjoy something like this equally. Yeah, man. I don't know what I was trying to fucking say with that. I was just, it just came <laughs> to mind. They're definitely a catalyst for, for change and for good ideas, you know, for also for bad ideas, but dude, not all um, change is good. Like bad, not all change is good and not all change is bad. Right. I think that it just takes what it, really comes down to is who's willing to pay for it and you know who's willing to do it thoughts are free you know everyone every what thoughts are say? free oh thoughts are free well i think that's a t-shirt i might have said that on a t-shirt <laughs> say the wrong thought you say the wrong thoughts to your wife they're not always free well a but, thought isn't spoken yeah um <laughs> i so think don't, that don't speak <laughs> just think the thought <laughs> yeah thoughts not words right i dude i miss you lj man i'm i i miss hanging out bud we had such a good time dude just like being able to talk to people is i think there's such a wall anymore with people and and they communicate through this interface rather than in the face they communicate through an interface and I think, <laughs> in, I think in your face, people need in to be your face. in your face. Yeah, that's me, Doug. But well, I mean, you know, what you, sh- you should start a league. That's what you need to do. Yeah, but th- th- thoughts are free, man. But I, I don't have the <laughs> I don't have the money for the league. That's what with the MPL we were trying to find funding, but it just wasn't. It just kept not panning out because a lot of teams that said that they were good. I mean, because these are all essentially NPL ideas, right? And, right. you know, initially there were a bunch of people like, oh, it's a great idea, this and that. Oh, yeah, we're interested. But then when it came to, like, crunch time, like, nobody showed up. Like, or not – I can't say nobody. We had a we had a few different people who, like, were back. They were like, we want – yeah, we want to we want to do this. We're interested. It's a great idea. Let's go, you know. But we just didn't have enough of, like, 
fully commitment like after just the word of saying oh yeah this is great we're in like there was no commitment right. after that you know let so, me ask you a question yes sir how why do you think what's the reason that the, the amount of teams that currently play at each NXL event, why do they show up, travel? Why do they pay to play in the NXL? So, as an individual or as a team? Well, as a team and an individual, however you want to answer the question. I think at the, at the very base of it, I think that everyone has that competitive nature and they want to win and they can believe they can win. Uh, or you know, so uh, obviously, I don't think anybody shows up and goes. Oh, I don't have a good feeling about this. You know, I feel like everybody mm-hmm. shows up and is like, let's let's fuck shit up, let's go. Um, right. Secondly, I think that it's second nature at this point because of so many players have been playing for so long that it's kind of second nature. Just a, uh, another year. Let's get it. Let's get it going. Let's get it together. Uh, so I, I mean, I don't know, and I think I think it's so hard with the second league right now, unless you get a, a fully commitment, is because or full commitment from sponsors and teams, is that money is so tight that trying to spend more money on a different way, a different layout, or a different weekend, then that's how much more paint throughout the year, you know, of throwing another league on there. So it's like so the the sponsors have to be in and believe in the idea and help finance the idea. Otherwise those teams who are financed by those said sponsors won't do it. Right. So you have to kind of have this whole commitment on the whole triangle from the league to the sponsors, to the teams, you have to have each point set and have each one commit. And we just didn't have that triangle of commitment. So, um, I don't know. Do you think that, partially that the league may be um, kind of monopolizing the tournament scene because of those circumstances? It could, but the thing is is we weren't we weren't out to try and replace the league. You know, we didn't want we didn't we weren't trying to replace the league. I, what makes money in the league is the divisional side. Right? Not the right. pros who show up. They're I know. 20 teams and you know what I mean so you, you know that yeah, yeah. that logistics yeah, so uh, it's it's the divisional side so on the divisional side we need the NXL but on the pro side I feel like if those guys can play as much as they do just playing in another league is just more paintball right how, mm-hmm. as far as a player if I were to look at it that's how I would look at it because that's how I looked at it when 7-man and X-ball were in the same league and we could only play one like I was like, I want to go play the other league because paintball is paintball. I just want to play paintball, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's just having, having everybody, having everybody dedicated to it, and it just didn't. I don't know. That's what I right. think. Well, I mean, it seems like if you, if you open the floodgates and you get support, the desired support that you're seeking, um, for another league, you know, then there is the potential for a competitive league. And I think that maybe individuals that are in position currently that either have a, you know, a big money stake in the current scenario, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and all the time invested, I think that, you know, maybe they don't want that opportunity to, uh, to squander what they have going on right I, now. We heard you know? directly that it's people that, were trying to do that. Well, I mean, does that obviously that hinders the growth, the overall growth 
of the sport, right? Yeah. So, you know, until you can find people, individuals that <clears throat> are wealthy enough to, you know, make a change and, and make a change for everyone, maybe things don't change. Yeah. I mean, because one of our big things with the NXL or the NPL was the media side and and getting mm-hmm. shooting it the right way and not doing a live stream and editing post and 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 really focusing on the fields like getting the fields footage and, and getting them uh, uh trying to get them set up with like N- npl stuff and promote the, you know help teams promote or help fields have the fields help promote the league with like right. swag or, or whatever and, 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 and get pictures of, of pro players and put them in there and put them around the field and everything like that to let them know that there is another side to it because unless unless like a rental player uh, goes into the pro shop and kind of pays attention to what's going on or flips through a, a you know a, a pamphlet or whatever they're not going to really mm-hmm. know that there's another like how many times have you been told oh I didn't know I didn't know you could do that, bro. I didn't know you could be pro paintball. Like to this day. It's like a hidden world. <laughs> it's a whole hidden but that's world. What I'm saying is if you take those individuals that are spending so much money on media, on the events, on, you know, renting renting the venues to making the paint, whatever it is, live on Facebook. You know, sponsoring teams, you could, you know, I think there's people are trying to find a single solution to catalyze all this growth and change. And I think, I think maybe that's wrong. I think that if you redirect your efforts and your finance to maybe growing the, the sport on the other end of the spectrum mm-hmm. on the rental side, and that doesn't mean just producing guns that fields can buy and make money from or cheaper paint that fields can, you know, that's all very positive. But, you know, if, if I knew as a walk-on player when I was a walk-on player, you know, that there was, what was it? Like some local three-man event that I could enter into with my buddies. I thought that was the coolest fucking thing, Mm -hmm. right? But it was, it was just that. It was a local three-man, which as cool as that is to us because we love the sport, you know, it may not be super appealing to someone who doesn't know anything about the sport. And it's, it's obviously to the divisional players that are currently invested, you know, physically mentally financially into tournament paintball those those kids think it's cool already to be a pro they already want to be a pro Mm -hmm. you know i don't think that that will necessarily change but what does the walk-on player want you know do they want to play what are they paying attention to right are they is something for them to aspire in their own you know in their own frame of, of what their what their vision of the game is you know what? How is it marketed to them? Is it is it that cool to to go play paintball on the weekends with your buddy? You know, is it just some shit you do, you know, for your bachelor party, mm-hmm. you know, or for a birthday party? Like we all hear the stories about birthday parties. Yeah. You know. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, if you could pull more people that have uh, more of a separation from the sport, that just have no knowledge from the sport, if you could pull their interest, you know, then I think that would grow the sport you know it would it would support the foundation more you know you got to grow the roots first Mm -hmm. oh exactly and and that was going to be another goal of the npl was to help out the local fields to get people to notice the sport 
for what it is right. and, and help the, the local rec ball player, it, you know, give him the knowledge of that there is a pro side to it and a competitive side and this and that. And maybe maybe because we're always missing that transition period, right? Like we're trying to bridge mm-hmm. that gap of rec player to tournament player. Right. Because everybody talks about that gap and everybody's trying to figure out that gap. Some people think it's 10 man. Some think it, some people think it's mechanical. Um, some people think it's just shooting the shit out of rec ball players on the field. You know, so it's like everybody has their different way to go about it. But I think it's I, I think the league needs to work with the local fields and 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 figure it out at that level and at the top, because as a, as a league, you're at the top end. But if you can mm-hmm. also work on the bottom end or not, I, I, I want to say the bottom end um, because local fields are what keeps paintball afloat. Work um, at the entry yeah, and, and I think that if you can if you can go down to the you know the basic level and mm-hmm. the entry level Maybe and help the, those fields out and and give them you know direction and whatever it is now you're you're working on both ends and you can come right. together for one cause bridge that gap make tournament paintball bigger figure out ways and, and, and promotional wise and ideas from these fields and everything you know so everybody works together I feel like we're such a huge scattered thing and, and have the NPL promote, uh, uh, 10 man events and have them promote scenario games and have them promote all this other paintball, have them promote paintball, but then also have this competitive traveling league where people can see the thing firsthand, you know, where they can, they can just show up and, and watch it in real life, bring the media right. in, do Facebook live, uh, which I think is a great idea and can draw eyeballs, the right ones. So, I mean, there's a bunch of ideas that nobody knows. You don't know if it'll work until you try it. And right. you got to be willing to try it. So that's, I guess Absolutely. that's my, that's my career in a f- sentence. You, <laughs> you won't know if it works until you try. It. <laughs> Fair enough, Carl. Fair enough. Uh, dude, so we've been, it's about two hours. And yeah. I probably talked uh-huh. like an hour and 45 of it. I always tell okay. a tangent on it, but. Dude, I, thank Dude, you so much for doing this. Go on this, your man. tangent. It's your it's your show, man. Run your tangent. I'm yeah. here to listen to. You. But I don't want to be I don't want to be like preach up here. You know, I just like yeah. talking to people. Yeah. I understand, dude. Do it. Say whatever you want. It's your podcast. You have to make excuses for your own podcast. If you want to preach, you can preach. Yeah. I just know I just sometimes I get a little preachy. I hear myself. It's that, it's that kind of night, man. We're in the right phase of the moon and Carl's being preachy. And I'm on uh, Lion's Mane Mushrooms. Lion's Mane Mushrooms? How does that make you feel? Dude, pretty. Uh, my It's for cognitive uh, growth. Enhancement. Enhancement. So far, I'm I'm feeling a little bit better. I've been taking it for like yeah. four or five days. So they say like Dude. two weeks is a good, like solid two weeks. No, no gaps. No, no breaks. Gaps. Yep. I've I mean for the last I guess for about thirty minutes there I was on this Oktoberfest, Huffabrow, whatever it is that enhanced my cognitive function for sure. Yeah. It's great. I'm not much of a yeah. drinker, man. I can't, it makes me feel full, and I just like I don't make the best decisions. Well, it's like I saw a random beer in my fridge, and I decided it didn't, you know, it was out of place. Mm-hmm. So I had to kill it. He said, "Come here, you." Yeah, just you know, looked right, looked right tonight. So. <laughs> 
Uh, dude, thank you so much. Uh, stick around. I want to talk to you a little bit more after this. Um, but, you know, good luck at, at World Cup. Good luck this weekend. Uh, don't hurt yourself. Have a good time. Shoot a lot of people. Um, oh, yeah. Stay young. Kill it. For sure. And For sure. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so fortunate. <laughs> I'm fortunate to have a friend like you and, and, and yeah. to be able to play alongside you and everything and, and have you on the podcast. It's, a, it's an absolute honor. Awesome. I, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Anytime. You know that. Hell yeah. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right. See you. Later. Thank you so much, LJ, for chitty chatting with me. It was great, bud. I know I talk a lot, and I apologize for that, but it was fun. Uh, it was fun regardless. So, uh, for, so thanks for coming on, and uh, I wish you good luck, and uh, go get them, brudda. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Off The Leash Training. Uh, guys, please head over to Patty Gleason's Instagram or Facebook. I choose Instagram. I'm a more visual person. Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, Patty Gleason has the off-the-leash training, which is paintball-specific training, which has been really intriguing. Some of the stuff that he's posted, I was like, man, I would I would have loved to do that to get ready for tournaments and just as a, as a, a mental workout along with a, a physical workout. And he does all those uh, through this uh, Coach HQ app, which lets you know exactly what you need to do. Uh, he can pretty much make it exactly how you want to work out whether it be body weight stuff if it is going to involve weights if it's free weights if it's this if it's that and uh, and he can help customize it to how you are looking to uh to, to kind of get forward and and achieve your goal whatever that might be and remember guys if you use capital tpop 19 you'll get 20 percent off any membership so that is all the much more why you should do that check it out guys please he's a great dude great program uh, off the leash training with Patty Gleason. Thanks, Patty. Uh, this episode is also also brought to you by Melovio. Guys, CBD is it's in, man. It is in. But the thing is, is that everybody's making it now, and you don't know where it's coming from. And I'm telling you, man, Melovio. There, it's all, uh, it, it's all, it's all natural. It's all locally sourced. It's all coming from, it's it, it's coming from the 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 place where you where you walk into it you know exactly where it's coming from they're not carrying a million different brands they're carrying melavia and and it's great man i've used the topical topical salve uh, multiple times on my knees on my joints and and it has worked i've had family members use it and it has it has really kind of changed the way i look at uh look at medicine i mean and, and, and look at kind of pain management and, and treatment. It's helped out a ton. I highly, highly suggest it, guys. They have all kinds of products. Check them out, melavio.com. Uh, and if you use the promo code capital TPOP at checkout, you will get 15% off your entire order. So please make sure you head over there and give them a good look-see. And uh, we are also brought to you by Charm City Paintball. Headbands, head wraps. Uh, he is also making custom uh, he's made custom like flag headbands that I'm, I'm privi privileged to have one uh, that I enjoy sporting. He's made all kinds of different patterns, uh, fabrics. Does a great job, man. I'm, I highly suggest if you're in the market for a headband to please give him a look. And prices are great too. 
uh, he he keeps it uh, he keeps it very competitive and does a great job. The, the quality is amazing. I'm telling you, and I hear it all the time from people who come back to me and they and they tell me, "Hey, I, I got this headband from Mike." And man, you're right. It, it it's really really nice and keeps up well and wears well. Not only on your head wears, but but wears as in with time, and 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 using it time and time again. It just it just wears well and fades well. So uh, so make sure you hit them up, Charm City on Instagram and Facebook. And lastly, guys, make sure you head over to Patreon.com/slash The Playing On Podcast and please help uh, help me keep this thing going. And I, I really enjoy it. I want to dedicate more time to it. And um, with your help, I can do that. So thank you, everyone, for listening. I really appreciate it. Please do not text and drive. Listen to podcasts like this one and expand your mind. Think more. Uh, be open to suggestion. Don't judge anybody. I feel like I'm trying to be Buddha or something, but I'm not. It's simple stuff, man. I Just be a good person. Uh, don't be stupid, don't text and drive, pay attention, stay alive, that rhymed, oh well, anyway, I love you guys, keep it a hundred, keep it a hundo, alright, and we will see you guys here again soon on the Play On Podcast, peace!